All right, what do we want to? We want to riff about. Talk about whatever you want, man. Service agreements are good. Can't beat it. What else we got? Like you say, there, there, there should be a conversation about success stories. There should be a conversation about some of the, the nightmares that we see. <laughs> I did an annual price furnace ad one time. It didn't work out. <laughs> did not work out. <laughs> that, that right there. It did not had, work out. That would have been priceless. It did not work out. Yeah. 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 I did, I did, I did, I did. Boneheaded marketing decision. Totally. Well, I mean, it was working for, you know, William Shatner. Name your own price. Thought I'd try it. I'm thinking, you know, how yeah, how, how more system that if you didn't if they didn't like your price, they said no. Yeah, but how morally bankrupt could people be? They could Pretty be very morally, morally bankrupt. bankrupt. <laughs> Pretty bankrupt. Welcome to Unfiltered, where you get three residential HVAC industry experts smoking cigars, drinking whiskey, and giving you practical advice to grow your company. If you want to watch the video version of this podcast, go to egia.org slash YouTube or go to facebook.com slash we are EGIA. So gentlemen, Mr. Drew Cameron, Gary Alex, here we are in Las Vegas at the 2019 Epic event. EGIA's got a signature event, 800 people here this year. Uh, I understand next year, by the way, Aria, 1,500 people. So uh, it's quite the uh, quite the group of contractors getting together, sharing best practices, and learning, and getting excited, getting motivated, and trying to figure out what to do to go to that next level. And so uh, it's really cool for the three of us uh, with your schedule, with your schedule, with my schedule. It's kind of hard to get together. So we're very fortunate when we get these moments, we can have some whiskey, some cigars here at the Bellagio, and uh, and riff on contracting. Riffing. Riffing on contracting. I think that was your term that you coined, riffing on contracting. Was, was it Gary? Was it G-Man? Might have been. Okay. <laughs> so there was, there was some whiskey involved. So I, don't really, something I don't really know. Could, could, could have been. Hey, uh, a dollar gets you donuts or donuts get you a dollar. It was good whiskey. It was Pappy Van Winkle. Of course. <laughs> $1,600 bottle of Pappy Van Winkle that you Would purchased. Would you drink any other thing? I mean, Gary, you're kind of the guy when it comes to the whiskey and the rye. Uh, no, it's amazing. It was literally like drinking gold. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Liquid of the gods. What we got tonight? That's what we got tonight. Oh, we got a couple different selections here. We've got uh, a 10 year bourbon, which is the Michter 10, uh, kind of an allocated version. It's tough to find. Yeah. Uh, nice, strong flavor. Um, and then we've got Sazerac. This is from your hometown, Wally. So New Orleans. Oh, and uh, it's a rye. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, a little softer, a little smoother, but uh, both. Very hard to find. Used to be able to find the Sazerac anywhere. Now you can't get it anymore. Everybody found out it was pretty good. So it's a pretty good price. So. You brought some cigars. You treated me so far to a Monte Cristo 2. Yeah, these are Cubans. These are uh, right off the island. And uh, that's Monte number 2. And I've got a Romeo and Julieta. And uh, so, yeah, we've got some uh, Partagas in there as well. So, Well, we're set. we got the whiskey, the cigars. Let's, uh, let's riff. Enjoying vicariously. Let's whip. <laughs> let's do it. Let's riff. <laughs> So let's talk about maintenance agreements. Uh, why it's important, how to get it started. I think most importantly, why it's so important. I think a lot of guys can figure out the how-to, uh, but they don't always understand how important it is to the get why. it done. The why, yeah. The why. And earlier today, we were talking about some success stories. Uh, one that I mentioned was a client that's got 20,000 maintenance agreements, and that's the only people they sell to. They don't do any direct marketing. 
they market to those people with the maintenance agreements and the service decks and they have ridiculous margins and are very, very successful. So it really builds a foundation of security, financial security. You think about, you know, 20,000 maintenance agreements at 15 bucks a month. I mean, what is, what is that? I mean, I don't even know what that is. That's, that's 300 grand a month, 300 <laughs> grand a month but when the month starts. It, it's cash flow, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, there's so many things to talk about, you know, the importance and, and obviously the, the benefit of having them, but cash flow is obviously one of them. And the reason that most businesses go out of business, it, it's not profitability, it's cash flow. Right, cash is king. Yeah. Exactly. And we were chatting even before uh, we were talking about the success stories, but the way you can drive your marketing expenses down, we talk a lot about spending money on marketing to acquire new customers, and you have to if you're you know, a new business. Amen. Uh, but the, to sustain that is you know, to be reaching in your own pocket. I mean, if you're spending 15% on marketing, some of that money could be spent you know, on profit, right? To, fund trucks, software, growth, acquisition tuck-ins. So the way you get that down over time, and I think that's the point you were making, is it takes time. It's chopping wood, right? You go from 15 to 12, from 12 to 9, 9 to 6, you know, 6 to under 3. And the way you do that is through the club program. The more club program customers we have, the more we can market to our existing customer base, and that cash flow improves, and we don't need to spend quite as much money on new customer acquisition. So. I think the hard part about that is is the, the work that it takes to stay disciplined and to maintain that idea and that focus on the culture of building club agreements. And I think that's what a lot of contractors run into trouble with is they, they just, they get busy. And when we get into the service season, it's too easy to not do it. Right. And we're just running calls and we're not, we're not focused on, you know, acquiring the clubs when they're available, so. Well, and think about this too. It takes a lot of patience. It does. Because we all want to go for the big whale. We want to go for the $15,000, $20,000 system replacement. And it's hard to get excited about a $15 a month maintenance agreement. It's the long play. It's the long play. It's the long play. And the most successful companies, the ones that can withstand the test of time. Uh, we were talking earlier today about a company that you and I both know well, that the company sold. And within a year, revenues were cut by two-thirds. Two-thirds. That company's philosophy growing was we don't want maintenance customers, we just want new system replacements. New system. They, they didn't build the they didn't build the foundation. Yeah. And then you take other companies, and I'm gonna <coughs> excuse me, throw his name out there, and kudos to him, Leland Smith. He built his company on a foundation of twenty thousand maintenance customers. His and company, yes. His company will stand the test of time, regardless of selling it, keeping it, whatever. It will withstand the test of time. So, but it does take patience. Yeah. Uh, the, having the program, having the culture. I mean, it's a culture. Leland's company is about culture. Yeah. And I think if Leland was sitting at this table, he would probably tell you that he focuses on that. Well, we should have him sit down with us one day. That'd be, be great. Fun. You think we could convince him to come? <laughs> Keep doing this. I think so. With the, with the whiskey you bring, that bring just about anybody. We could probably get Bill Clinton. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's do it. Let's do it. It'd be an interesting never, conversation. Never met a cigar you didn't like. So, <laughs> the, Touché. the interesting point about that is um, the long-term wealth building play. So I, we always talk about start with the end in mind. So if you're a contractor and you're thinking about transitioning your business to your family or selling it to somebody, like the hedge funds are active, purchasing Sun Capital is a good example. Uh, Horizon's been sold, other companies have been sold. Um, the 
service agreements prove the value of the company, but they also, it's that long-term wealth play. So you can sell a lot of jobs and make a lot of money, and then, but when it comes time to sell it, there's not, a, the, the check isn't quite as big because the purchaser isn't looking at the recurring customer base. That, I mean, they have to look at that and say, well, right. you know, how, do I, how do I know that those customers aren't leaving with you, Wally, because you're a charismatic guy and all your clients were probably buying from you, not necessarily buying from you know, the, the company's brand and reputation and the service agreement is how we build the relationship. So the biggest thing I see is customers, uh, when I say customers, I mean contractors, don't look at the service agreement as a marketing model. Uh, they look at it as a technician-based you know, maintenance model and what it is is really a marketing weapon. Right. Because if you send that technician in to do a $79 tune-up and that's what he does and walks out, <laughs> you're going to be in the poorhouse. We're losing, yeah. You've got to have great great communicators that get in to find additional, additional issues. Well, that's the key. Like you said, it's a long play. It's also, like I say, uh, it's, a, it's a slower play, if you will, uh, in that we call it two-step marketing. You can't sell maintenance agreements, right? You can't sell them like you can sell replacement systems through marketing. You sell a maintenance, a tune-up, or you sell the repair call, right? Get your guy in the door and then then cement the relationship. So it's a two-step process. And I, I know there's a lot of uh, viewers, listeners out there right now saying, okay, okay, I get it, guys. It's really important. How do I do it? And that's not really the purpose of this conversation. But what I will remind our listeners and our watchers is that of the 10 core pillars that we you know, built the contract university on, one of those that Gary developed was the maintenance agreement program, how to build the culture around it, how to build the forms, how to build the conversations, everything about it from A to Z, from you know, tip to stern is in there. Yeah. And so we don't have time to go into all the, the how-to. Like you said, we're talking about the why-to today, tonight. But you get in there and just spend some time you know, when you, you think about a lot of contractors, maybe they're 5, 10, 15 years into their business and they're unhappy. You know, we all talk about the time and money freedom. They don't have time, they don't have money, they don't have freedom, which is what they wanted. I don't think it's unreasonable to spend a year in the contractor university studying the things they got to learn to be successful. But they got to they gotta be willing to, to slow their roll and do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in today's society, everything is is yesterday, right? I want it now. I want it yesterday. It's at the speed of of, of that, right? And uh, but the problem is, you have to realize you didn't get into the situation you are in overnight. You're not going to get out of it overnight, right? So, yeah, it's one of those things that they you know they've got to realize. And you That's go- the way I'm feeling about my dad body right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little stud, a little stud. It kind of reminds me. This is maybe an indirect example, but you're going to make mistakes. And you got to learn from those mistakes and keep, you know, keep plowing on. It reminds me of a story in uh, Jack Welch's book um, after he left GE. And he talked about this business unit manager came in to his office one day and handed in his letter of resignation to Jack Welch. And Welch said, what is this? He goes, well, I made a mistake. I cost us $10 million in losses because of my boneheaded mistake and I want to do the right thing and I'm going to turn in my resignation so you don't have to fire me. And Welch says, well, I'm not going to fire you. The guy says, why not? He's like, I just spent $10 million on your education. Right? <laughs> All right. So we got to let ourselves make mistakes and learn from it and our people, right? Mm-hmm. You're so big on culture. And you are too. And building the right culture in a company, it's super important to me that you know, we, we preach the customer comes second. Letting people make mistakes. Letting ourselves make mistakes. 
We start out with a maintenance agreement program and it doesn't work for some reason. You got to step back, retool, and try it again. The, the key is to, to, to not give up. I, I'm reminded from, uh, from a Philadelphia homeboy, Rocky. There you go. And uh, it was like Rocky 5 or 6, I don't know. I, was just, I just saw it recently flipping through HBO at it night. It had to be 6 because 5 sucked. <laughs> well, there was one where he has a grown son who's fighting. So I don't know which one it was. But in, or son, I think it was a son, maybe the nephew. It was or, probably Creed. That's Rocky 12. It, it, Rocky 12. <laughs> it was probably Apollo's son. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, Creed. So, but anyway, so Rocky says to the, to the kid, the kid was talking about, I'm the biggest, I'm the baddest, nobody can hurt me, I'm taking everybody out. And Rocky Balboa, you know, this, 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 this reservoir of wisdom, right, says, it's not about how hard of a punch you can throw. It's about how hard of a punch you can take and get back up. Yeah. So when you think about the maintenance agreement programs, it's about getting back up and trying. Yeah. Right. What's that old saying? If you want to, you got to double your rate of success, you got to triple your rate of failure. You got to try stuff, figure it out. Yeah. I mean, you, you lay the roadmap out on the EGF, you know. Learn, yeah, learn, I mean, uh, yeah, just a uh, kind of a short history lesson, just to where the service agreement thing came from. Arguably, it was started by a company out of Columbus, Ohio called Bogan, Bogan, and Bogan, two brothers and a dad. And uh, it was like 1959, the air conditioning wasn't really even out yet. So if you think about that, they were doing furnace tune-ups. That eventually became Airtron, which is a large-scale business today, a regional company, very, very big. Yeah. And so that's what Bogan Bogan, Bogan turned into. And uh, there was a, a, a PhD professor at Ohio State, Dr. Harold Squire, who owned Squire Distributing. And he gave them this idea that, hey, you need to figure out a way to keep your people busy during the slow period of time because in Columbus, Ohio, you don't have the season the whole time. So you got these shoulder seasons. And so that's where it you know, sort of evolved. Uh, Doc Russ picked that up. Ron Smith, would I would say, would be the father of service agreements for the industry because he's the one that really sort of Mainstream picked industry. up and just brought it to everybody and sort of, you know, uh, you know he's written his book, obviously. Yeah. The comment, you know, uh, the road to wealth and prosperity is paved with service agreements. It's a quote from his book. And uh, so we didn't invent the idea. I mean, we made lots of mistakes. And I don't think there's one right way to do it. So right. like when you go Agreed. online and you reach into the EGI platform and you start reviewing the content and you start looking at it, you can do multi-year agreements. You can do monthly debit programs. You can do prepays. You can create a price that's not necessarily a low price. Talk about building value. You can do price. There's a ton of ways to approach this. So it's not about the right way to do it. It's about figuring out what's right for your company. But the main thing is culture. If you walk into Leland's business or you walk into our business, yep. it's all about club agreements all the time. That's a core of the business plan. It's always talked about. It's on everything. It's preached. It's trained. It's never out of sight. And that's, I think, one of the things that we have to make sure that our customer base at EGI understands is if you're going to do it, you got to be committed to it. And uh, yeah. it's uh, Cortez, right? Uh, you know. He had a limited army. He was fighting a bigger army. And when he went and landed, he burned all of his boats at night. And uh, the it's next morning, the boats are smoldering out there. And the guys are like, what happened to our boats? And he's like, well, I figured if I burned the boats, we would be well motivated to fight. <laughs> so there's no way to get off. So fight and win or fight and die. And, that, and I think that's the service agreement philosophy is I think you got to figure it out. You got to burn the boats. And you got to put the culture to work, and you got to get it done. You got to get it on. I sat through a Tony Robbins event, you know, recently, and uh, he kind of quoted that. And he basically says, "If you want to take the island, burn the f boats." Right. 
Yeah. Right. And it's it's like no. we will win or die or yeah. die and you know die you know die in the fight process. And win or fight and die. You know? I, I tell guys all the time that your plan B will f up your plan A. There you go. One of the advantages I had when I got out of the joint 15 years ago and I got a job with Jesse, yeah. uh, that you hired me for Jesse, uh, I knew I didn't have any other options. Right. I wasn't going to like, oh, I don't like Drew. I don't like Jesse. <laughs> I'm going to go to work somewhere else. I mean, I was lucky to get the shot that well I got, motivated. right? We knew that well too. Motivated. <laughs> we knew that well too. motivated. <laughs> so I had no plan B. So you know what happened? I had to make sure plan A worked. And that is like a real life application of that principle to me. That the plan B can f up your plan A, and 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 get and again set yourself up for success. And I think that you did because you came in and you were, you, you know, you, you had your your mindset, you know, on sales. You knew what you wanted to do. You had some success in your life, uh, obviously with your your previous career with uh, MCI Worldcom, you know, uh, doing that, and you even talked about being a, an inspirational motivational speaker I, I recall that that conversation very vividly and so he's like yeah this guy's he, he's got next level stuff but he's willing to accept this level stuff right he's willing he's willing to do something versus not having the ideal thing right and that's the thing i think that you know gets in the way a lot of times too is is the ideal gets in the way of doing something now and that is so big and i know that's not the topic of maintenance agreements per se but that is so true I meet so many people. I had somebody in my company, my speaking company recently, that she thought her role was beneath her. Yeah. That she was capable of doing bigger and more. And maybe she was. But you got to take advantage of what you're doing now. One of the things that I think is, uh, and it's one of the rare things of getting, there's not much good about getting old, but wisdom and humility. Yeah. And the humility, like, this is where I am today. Yeah. Drew Cameron gave me a job. Jesse V. Hill is going to beat me up. <laughs> I love you, Jess. Love you. Uh, but you guys gave me a shot. And you got to take what you can get. Well, I, I make the point, and let's take it back to maintenance rooms. I make the point of saying doing something versus doing nothing, you know, not having the ideal program. For example, you know, market tune-ups. You know, get out and market the tune-ups, right? And sell the tune-ups and then sell the service agreement. You don't have to have a form. I mean, all you have to do is put it, hey, say, listen, we have a, an agreement, okay, where you can type up a one-page Word document if you had to and hand it out, make it Keep a it flyer. Keep it, Keep it simple, but sell the agreement, just put it on the invoice. You don't have to have a separate form. You know, we get caught up in this industry of having all these separate forms. You know, less is more nowadays. And with electronics and digitizing things, you don't even need to have a form. Right? Just put it on the service of uh, invoices as we have this. We will come out twice a year. You'll get this list of benefits right on this piece of paper. People are saying, okay, sign my, my service invoice, sign my service agreement. Oh, we also have a brochure for our service agreement. Like, no, no. Don't let that get in the way of doing something, right? right. Just sell the agreement. We have this commitment. And then people are saying, well, what, I, what, I, what, what if I do something with service and maintenance and repair and you know next level of benefits and access? And I say, that's great, but why don't we at least start with something? Mm -hmm. You know, just do something. My Where dad, could you find some of those documents? I think a lot of that's in the EJA archive. You know, uh, it's created by <laughs> this guy. That's, that's yeah. the beautiful part. And apologize, guys, for a little bit of a cold up experience here. Well, on uh, Gary's program on the EJA platform, he doesn't just give you the training; he gives you the forms and the downloads the whole business. What you just said reminded me of something my dad used to tell, tell me. My dad would say, do something, son, even if it's wrong. Now, I took that shit to extremes. <laughs> but his point was, don't sit on your ass. Get out there and try something. I got that same advice at age 12 by the guy that I was riding along with as a gopher 
after swim team practice. That was, you know, how I got into the business, you know, family business. And Bob Wadsworth, nicknamed Bob Wadsworth, his name was Bob Wadsworth Jr., nicknamed Junie. Junie would say, come on, Drew, let's do something if it's wrong, because there's a 50% yeah. chance that it's right. Right. And odds are that it's more than 50% chance because we're smart guys, right? And, and, and if we do screw it up, how hard is it going to be to fix it? That's tuition, though. That's that, the education process. That's the education. That's, 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 do so, something. Yeah, trial and error is not a bad thing. Yeah. And, and again, there's no failure if you learn. It's a lesson, right? You either, either win or you learn. And so, you know, we adopted the phrase at our company, fail falling forward. Learn from it. And, and like I said, that $10 million education, I just attended a four-day MBA class uh, with a gentleman who basically, uh, he, made, he lost $150 million, made $150 million, Lost it all in the in the stock market crash or uh, real estate crash rather back in 08, right? And he was on a radio interview, and they the guy who was going to interview him said, "Are there any questions you don't want me to ask you?" And he says, "Yeah, don't ask me the question about what it feels like to lose 150 million dollars." <laughs> Sounds like Galen, the guy on the Shark Tank. He's got, he's got a similar story. Now this is a guy named Keith Cunningham. So he says, "Don't ask me that question." He goes, "It, it's, it gets old." He goes, "What do you think it feels like?" He says, "It sucks," right? And so, you know, they go on a show and they introduce, I'm here with Keith Cunningham, yada, yada, yada. And he goes, so Keith, tell us what it feels like to lose $150 million. And he's like, are you freaking kidding me, you know? And he says, I'll tell you what, he goes, it stinks. He goes, but he goes, it's, a, it's an education. It's a life's education. He goes, he goes, it's a tuition. And there's not many people who get to pay that tuition. He goes, but it's not about the paying the tuition. It's about, did you get the education? Right. And he said, yeah, he says I did, yeah. and he says he came back and he made 150 million yeah. and then some back, you know. So learn the lessons is the key. Yeah, I think just right along the lines of our culture that you're talking about, we we talk about it's okay to make mistakes. In fact, we kind of expect people to make mistakes. They're not trying hard if they're not trying new things. You're not going to do it right every time, but we don't want to make the same mistake twice. Mm -hmm.